Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Severely Personal. I am here with the incredible Joseph Soul. Joseph, just give a quick introduction about yourself, how you identify, tell them who you are. Um, I am a gay man. Um, I served in Operation Iraqi Freedom 0809 um, under the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. Um, and I play banjo in a band called Buddha Melt. Um, I am an author um, of. Um, of the book, The Broken Mirror of Memory. It's um, The Broken Mirror of Memory, Iraq and Other Tales. Um, it's about serving under Donetsk Don't Tell, PTSD, um, and just coming home and getting over um, several addictions and recovery and coming to terms with the war and all sorts of things like that. So I just, first of all, thank you so much for your service. Uh, I, words can, like, ever like thank someone enough for that but i just want to thank you for your service when did you realize you were gay like wh where was your gay awakening in life oh that would have had to have been um probably 13 or 14 okay was there like a certain moment that happened that you were like oh damn i'm gay um i guess high school locker room type stuff <laughs> yeah. yep okay uh-huh 100 percent get that and so what made you want to eventually join the military? Well, 9-11 happened in my freshman year. Um, I was 14, and our TVs were out because of a fire on campus, so we actually heard it on the radio. Um, so wow. it felt very um, very historical, so to speak. Um, and um, from that moment on, um, I knew that I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps and join the military, um, and I wanted to respond to the attacks. Um, mm -hmm. So that... Yeah, that's what got me involved in the military. And did you specifically want to be in combat? Um, I specifically wanted to go to the combat zone, yes. Um, gotcha. I actually volunteered for Iraq um, in, I'm probably going to get the year wrong. Um, I volunteered for Iraq in 2007. Gotcha. I volunteered for mobilization, yeah. And how old were you when you enlisted? I was 19 years old when I enlisted. Wow. Wow. About 2006. Yeah. So you did you have a plan to like go to college after the after the military or was it strictly like I'm going to do the military and move up in the ranks? I didn't have any plan, man. I was 19. <laughs> How much of a plan did you have? Right. Right. I didn't, I didn't have any plan. I'm still not sure what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't I mean, think anyone me. is. No, nobody, nobody knows what's really going on. That's always been my philosophy. People who pretend they do. Eh, yeah, they I don't. don't. Know. They don't. It, it'll hit them in the head and they'll be like, oh, shit, what am I doing? Yep. It hits you in the head from time to time, but some people don't get it. So, <laughs> so when you enlisted in the military, were you out yet? Like, were you out to your family? I was out to my family. Uh, my father, who's become very supportive um, over the years, was was very angry but there was some fault on my end too because of the way i came out and how angry i was about it but it was a, it was a christian conservative um you know family you know my mother was not around she had already passed when i was eight so there was no buffer zone you know between yeah. me and my dad but he he did the best he could he's a he's he's a good man who's doing the best he could so mm -hmm. i was out at the time i had just gotten broken up with it was in basic training i was out as bi um and I and I got broken up with my girlfriend right after I got back from basic training in AIT. So, mm. yeah. So when when you started the military training, were you out then? When did you come out when you were in the military? <laughs> I 
I came out um, basically in Iraq. Um, it was sort of known right before, but um, basically at the Mope site at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. My squad leader pulled me aside. He was a very nice man, but he had to enforce the rules and the policy of the military. So he you know, took me aside and said, I want to make sure that you understand the rules. And the rules are, you know, that if you are gay, you can't say anything. So he had so to act I, like he didn't know. He had to act like he didn't know. Gotcha. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, the heterosexual people in the military, are there any rules at, or at the time, were there any rules or limitations to them being able to have sex with women? Uh, yes. When you're on deployment, you're under what's called General Order 1. General Order 1 prohibits many activities. Among them is um, sexual intercourse. Gotcha. Okay. That's only when you're deployed, yeah. But they're still allowed to like flirt and talk with people of the other sex. They just can't have actual sex. Correct. I mean, all sorts of sex happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gotcha. Um, it happened anyway, but right, um, right. it was not officially allowed. So they were restricted while they were on deployment in country only. Out of country, there was no real restriction other than rank restriction, mm -hmm. which was routinely violated anyway come to think of it but yeah. yeah did uh people in like your troop who like weren't the commanders and the higher-ups were they aware that you were gay yes they were um everyone was very aware i actually wrote a letter to stars and stripes while i was in iraq that i can read if you want yeah that would be wonderful uh, so the um it was sent to stars and stripes the military newspaper while i was at Cobb Adder. Um, it's called Don't Ask a Slap to Patriots. It's in the book. It says, I praise Stars and Stripes for its article on the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. In my view, this policy has hurt our military readiness, hurt the morale of the estimated 65,000 lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender groups serving around the world, including in the Iraq and Afghanistan theaters of war. It does a disservice to them. As it says to them, you can join, you can risk your life, and you can die. And many have, I'm sure. But you cannot, number one, do it as yourself, and two, have the same protection under the law when you get home. It also shuns the children of these same-sex partners, of these beautiful people, for they cannot receive a flag at a funeral for their fallen soldier, as is bestowed on, on all traditional families, um, as a thanks from a grateful nation since the warrior's relationship to them cannot be known. I feel it is long overdue time these people have their justice. The military will have a black mark, the likes of which has, the likes of which it may take 60 years to recover from as the recent anniversary of desegregation in the rank shows. These gay and lesbian heroes serve a nation that gives them neither the comfort of freedom nor the time of day. And I, for one, thank them for their service in, defense of free, in the defense of the freedom of others that they can enjoy themselves. And they do so in total silence. Signed, Joseph Soul, Cobb at Iraq, 2008. Wonderful. And did they ever respond to that? Uh, several people did respond, um, and there were some supportive responses, um, and there were some not-so-supportive responses uh, from around theater. What were the fellow people in your troop, what were their responses to knowing you were gay? Were they friendly with you? Were they judgmental? Uh in my company, there was general support. I mean, everyone everyone knew um, they had a joke in Iraq. They would tell me, get back in the closet, Skittles. <laughs> That's what they would tell me. They, um, Yeah, everyone everyone was very supportive um, in general. 
um, you know, there were a few people who just don't like you. And, you know, that's going to happen whether you're straight or gay or yeah. bi or trans mm -hmm. or whatever. And, you know, they were jerks, but it's okay. I don't talk to those people anymore. So Good. do you still have yeah. a close connection with some of the people in your troop? I do with my squad leader, with my master sergeant, um, with my commander, um, with several other, um, you know, folks that have written letters to me, you know, for um, for VA benefits. And I've written letters for them. We're actually planning on having a reunion coming up soon ah. um, in um, in Schenectady in the coming years. So that'll be that'll be nice. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. Can you tell me about um some of your experiences being in Iraq, were you able to interact with some of the um, Iraq civilians? Yes, I was. Um, and um, the original title of the book um, was um, Conversations with Ali, uh, because I got to know my interpreter very well. Uh, he was, and this is actually an unknown thing about the Iraq war, we had thousands of local Iraqis working on the bases to build up our capacity to occupy their country. And I don't know how much they were paid, but having worked in, you know, manual labor jobs for a long time in my life, I can say it wasn't a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and especially um, comparatively. Yeah. So I got to know a lot of them. Um, I ate with them. Um, you know, they would bring in food from the village. They actually brought us special food for Thanksgiving. Um, I got to know an old man who would give me um, um, samoon, which is Iraqi flatbread, and they had a drink. It was an orange juice, but it was carbonated and it had pulp in it. I forget what it was called, but it was delicious. And he would bring that every day for me. Um, I found that I had no conflict with the regular Iraqi people whatsoever. Um, they were they were they were amazing, um, amazing, wonderful human beings. They really were. Mm -hmm. And how did that like shift your perspective and what you were fighting for at the time? Well, it shifted my perspective in that for one, Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. So once, you know, once you, once you realize that it all starts falling apart, doesn't it? And I found myself become completely opposed to war. I think war is, I think war is a crime. Yeah. I think to have a war is a crime and, um, I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, you have mass death, no matter no matter the conflict, you know, whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, or, um, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, you have people caught in the middle who are just trying to live their lives. You have soldiers who either volunteered or were drafted, in the case of the Russians anyway, that probably don't want to be there in the first place. And everyone's fighting for survival. And um, it frankly, it frankly just breaks my heart. So um, I actually became an anti-war activist after the war because of those experiences. I didn't want anyone else to die. Um, I wanted to bring everyone home and have them be safe with their families. And it took until 2023 for us to pull out of Afghanistan. Or excuse me, 2022, I believe. Um, and we still have troops in Iraq. So I would like to see most of the u.s foreign interventions if not all ended yeah and let people go home and be with their families yeah yeah we've we've done enough and even the stuff we did may not have been so good yeah so tell me about how it started to uh, affect you and the like close relationships you're making with other people in your troop because you're seeing them one day and then the next day you're out in combat and you don't know if you're gonna see them that day unfortunately 
with my time in Iraq, we had to deal with a lot of mortar attacks. Um, and um, yeah, you know, you don't know if you're going to see them from time to time. So it is hard, you know, to know that you might lose someone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I only did, um, I only did one patrol my time in Iraq and it was, it was scary, but um, I mostly stayed on the base, you know, to both my shame and my, and also, um, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that I got to stay on the base a lot. Yeah. How long were you serving for? Um, in Iraq itself, I served for 13 months. And then in total with the military? Uh, I did. Um, I did eight years. So. Wow. That's, that's incredible. All these questions I'm asking you are a part of the book. Uh, tell me more about, uh, get more in depth with what the book is about. Let the audience know what they're looking for. Well, the book, um, The Broken Mirror of Memory, Iraq and Other Tales, um, is trying to make sense of the deployment, trying to um, know that you're a man walking in the world that has gotten involved in something that you didn't expect. You know, we can't know what war is until we go. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, um, it came um, when um, three... Three soldiers were killed in a mortar attack. That was my first week in country, if I have the timeline right. Um, the VA therapists are always talking about timelines and putting things on your timeline because it goes through as one big day. You know, it sort of blends together. But, um, you know, the book itself is, it was really an attempt to get everything out of me and to leave a record so that the people that fell you know, were, um, were killed in Iraq and Afghanistan are not forgotten. Um, and that's, and that's really why I wrote the book. I mean, yes, there's a lot of, um, you know, politics in there, so to speak, you know, um, anti-war politics, um, you know, queer politics, things of that nature. Um, but there's also quite a bit of anti-war activism and quite a bit of pain for the fallen, really, which is really the core of the book, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, pain for those lost because, while the country's moved on and, you know, the wars are now in the rearview mirror um, and we have people alive today who can buy cigarettes and beer who don't remember 9-11, um, it's still very, very personal for those of us who were there and those of us who had to see soldiers lost. Um, it's very, um, it's very personal to me. Where did yeah. you, where at life were you like, okay, now it's time to write a book and put all this out in paper. What what was that like spark? Where did that come from? Uh, it started while I was in Iraq. Um, I started writing a blog in Iraq. Um, and then the blog, you know, came home with me. I copied it down into a Word document and then it expanded from there. Um, so it, 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 it sort of became this volume. Um, I call it, um, I call it a humble accounting. Um, in the book, I say, may this um, may this work be a humble offering upon the altar of those lost. And that's really all it is. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's you know, I'm not making a lot of money off this book. I just want to get the story out there. Yeah. You left the military when? In 2014. So you've been working on this for, like, this book for a really long time. When did you finish it? Uh, I just published it May 5th. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. That's very exciting. 
when you were in the military, um, were there other people you were able to connect with that identified as LGBT? Yes, um, there were many more than um, you know um, the general public might think, um, and you know they exist. I even met a trans woman in full uniform in Iraq, unable to transition. Mm -hmm. um, and the military actually diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder because that was the catch-all at the time to make sure they could, you know, get you out. Um, and did she have to leave? I have no idea. Only, uh, only met them once, um, just happened to connect with them, and they confided in me. So You were able to find, like, that community, and uh, were you able to, like, discuss with other queer people how you guys were feeling, or did you have to, like, stay hidden from each other in that kind of way? In so many ways, we had to stay hidden from each other. It was really dangerous. Um, yeah. um, the um, the CID, um, the Central Investigation Division, um, there was rumor anyway, and I heard it, that they would send agents to the gay bars near the army base. So you had to be very careful. Wow. And what what is the punishment if you're caught? Um, the punishment is... Um, it can range anywhere from an administrative discharge um, to a dishonorable discharge if you're caught in the act. Wow. Um, you know, nowadays it's all different now, which mm -hmm. is which is which is good. Um, and I got to see some of that change because I was in when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, and that felt like a personal victory. The sergeant came up to me and said, "Hey, I have some papers for you to shred. Would you like to shred them?" I'm like, um, "You know, yes, sergeant. That's fine." I looked at him and I was shredding the unit's policy on Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And he gave it to me to shred. So that's, I bet that was so like freeing to feel. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. And so did anyone ever like talk to you? Like once it was repealed, were you, did anyone ever like apologize? Was there anything given to you after? Because I mean, you also sent that letter too. Did anyone get, get back with you? Yeah. There was, there was, um, there was a sergeant in my unit after Iraq that, came up and said, you know, we'd love to have, um, you know, um, your fiance come to our unit, you know, family day event, you know, and he did. And it was a good time. You know, that was that was that was very validating. The system really only makes little accommodations. It doesn't change mm -hmm. in any meaningful way. It can give more rights. It can take them away, too. Yeah. But it can, um, you know, a large system like the military industrial complex, like the war complex in our country can give certain rights like hey you can serve if you're trans you're still going to go to iraq right you know you're still going to go to afghanistan um if we get involved in ukraine you're still going to go to russia so i think we need to examine the overarching systems that cause us to have wars in the first place rather than saying hooray you know um, <laughs> a person that's queer or trans can go to war mm -hmm. you know a person that's gay or lesbian can go to war how wonderful uh, war is not that wonderful right right not at all so, yeah and I know we talked a little bit uh, before the interview about how you said that you were awarded something. Uh, yes. Um, so I got an ARCOM in Iraq, which isn't a big deal, really. Meritorious service. I'm a little embarrassed to talk about them, actually. But um, <laughs> I got an Army Achievement Medal for increasing the detachment's awareness of current and ever-changing policies. So that was while Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still in effect. And everyone knew I was gay. So I kind of got a medal for it. I love that. So that's framed in my office. So that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you meet your fiance? 
Uh, we met um, at a bar called The Bug Jar in Rochester, New York. Um, and um, we, well, that's where we met officially. We started talking in a chat room while I was in Iraq. So, ah. yeah. How was it? Well, I guess because you were still in the military, but even besides just like romantic relationships, how were you able to form new relationships after being in the mil military? How did that affect your social life when you got back home? I was I was a mess when I got back from Iraq. I was an alcoholic. Um, I was drinking five Long Islands a day. That's part of the reason why I wrote the book was to, you know, help other veterans with recovery as well. I was a mess and it did not make for good social relationships dealing with, um, you know, you know, survivor's guilt, moral injury, PTSD, which is what they finally diagnosed me with, you know, 10 years later, mm -hmm. after a letter from my commander, the VA was finally convinced I had PTSD. So um, it was hard. It was a hard readjustment. But, you know, I made it and now I'm here. And um, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward in life. And tell me about kind of what resources they give you whenever you like leave combat do you feel like you were given the adequate amount of resources to recover i think they did their best uh-huh but it was also a different time yeah and i guess you can't really like recover fully from you know being in that experience too you don't um you don't really recover the part of the broken mirror of memory is because there was a mortar attack that killed three soldiers, and I only had snippets and bits and pieces in my head of me running in the dark with smoke and fire, you know, coming over the blast walls, um, screaming, yelling, stuff like that. But it's broken up, mm -hmm. and I only have the full memory in my dreams, and when I wake up, most of it is gone. Um, so I called it the broken mirror of memory because... It's broken, and I cannot remember the full memory, but everyone in my unit swears I was there. Um, they've read the book, and they're like, yeah, that really happened, and I can't, I, I can't put it together. So it was very disturbing to me to learn that I was there a few hundred meters away, maybe 500 or less, when those guys were killed. And I can't put it together in my head. Yeah. So if someone told you today that they wanted to enlist in the military, what advice would you give them? It's hard to say. It was um, such a formative experience for me and in many ways a positive experience in a strange way mm -hmm. that I would say if they're really driven to do it, then that's where they should go. Um, I would say, know what you're getting into and take a veteran with you to see the recruiter. <laughs> take, a, take a veteran with you to see the recruiter, for sure. Um, but I would, I would probably advise them to go to college instead. But if their heart's really set on it, then I can't stop them. Yes, that's true. So what are you doing now with your life? I, I know you're, you're writing the book. What, what do your hobbies include? Are you working on the side? Yeah. Um, I am a substitute teacher um, at a school district here in Washington. Um, and, um, you know, I play banjo and guitar um, in my band, Buddha Melt. 
course not right now with this arm. <laughs> oh no. Soon. Um, and, um, um, I do a little painting, um, and I do a lot of, um, religious studies. Um, I actually visited the mosque recently, um, and got to know some of the folks at the masjid and they were lovely people. Um, so I enjoy going around to different religious institutions and learning more about them and, um, you know, collecting, collecting weird rocks. I mean, <laughs> um, half of the, half of the book, um, is about, um, psychedelics and the search for my mother who passed away when I was eight. Ooh. Um, and, um, one of the poems is about a rock that talked to me in the middle of the forest in Western Washington. Um, so I have that up there actually. So that is so interesting. I want to ask you what the rock said, but now I'm like, maybe we just need to make the readers or the listeners buy the book so they can, they can hear about it. Well, you know, the rock, the rock definitely said that we are all one and there is no separation. And that's the message of the second half of the book. It, it, you know, it really deals with psychedelics as a way to recover. Interesting. And tell me what kind of psychedelics are we talking about? Uh, magic mushrooms, mostly, mostly magic mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done LSD a few times, and that is mentioned in the book. And I had an amazing spiritual experience, but it's mostly it's mostly magic mushrooms. And were those only consumed after the military? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can't imagine being in the middle of combat and like <laughs> tripping. Well, I mean, where would you, where would you get them? <laughs> right. So what's next for you? What's next? Um, well, I have to decide, you know, whether I'm going to go into ministry or go into teaching. Um, I thankfully have, um, you know, um, a VA pension to live on. Um, and I'm going to probably work on a novel here. It's going to involve MK Ultra and the VA, you know, basically deal with the way we throw away our veterans through our bureaucratic healthcare systems here in the United States um, and add a little horror twist in there. So. Um, that's my, that's my next project. Yeah. I like yeah, that. That's my project. I mean, um, I'm, I'm really excited to read, um, a broken mirror, like a broken mirror of memory is I, I think it sounds really fascinating and I'm really excited. I will, I will, I will, I will gladly send you a link. This is cheaper <laughs> than sending a book. As I've given away a lot of free copies, but I do have to sell some copies to, yes. You know, make up for the thousand dollars of editing, <laughs> but I will be glad to send you a link. I do have um um one poem I'd like to read from the book, which is my favorite. Yes, um, which I think sums up the real message of the book. Um, it's called "Stuck in My Boots," and it's about um going to a dignified transfer ceremony for seven soldiers killed in a helicopter crash. Um, it says, "Stuck in my boots. I just can't put those men away in boxes. Sand whips by us, and it feels like a cold night." It must be 65 degrees. We stand erect at perfect attention. Our shadows are carried in boxes. They are men we may not have liked in life. We don't even know their names at present. But there we stand, our bodies aching from holding that same hand salute. The flag draped coffins, red, white, and blue. The chaplain offers prayer. How the fuck did we get here? I feel stuck in my boots and I want out. That should be. That should be me in that box, and I know it. I can't live it down. I can't move. So I'll just stand here saluting on this tarmac in the middle of the night for the rest of my life. Wow. That's incredible. Well, Joseph, first of all, before we get to the end, I just want to thank you so much for coming on here and 
being vulnerable. And I hope you can at least acknowledge and hear from me that your experience and your story is very important and I value it tremendously. So thank you so much for everything and your service again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I would love to be on again anytime. Yes, that would be so (laughs) fun. It's a thrill. It's a real thrill for me because I... This is my first podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Yay. He lost his podcast virginity. Go severely personal because we're getting severely personal with the broken (laughs) mirror of memory. Tell us where people can uh, follow you, uh, where they can buy the book. Just shout out yourself. Give yourself all the promo you can right now. You can can, can follow me on Facebook. You know, send me a friend request, Joseph Soul. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at JoeSoul2. That's at Joe Soul too. Hi, Elon. How are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's all the social media I have, really. Um, the book's available on Amazon, obviously. Um, the Broken Mirror of Memory, Iraq and Other Tales on Amazon.com. Um, and yeah, that's I mean, that's all that's all the um, all the platforms I'm on. Awesome. And I'll make sure to have everything I'll linked in the description box so you guys can follow him and of course buy the book please support him um and don't forget to follow and subscribe and rate the podcast of severely personal please do i'm gonna give it five stars (laughs) yes please we love it the more the merrier well joseph uh thank you so 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 much for being on the podcast um ah, and i i value this story very much so thank you it was nice talking to you All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.